0: Buffalo Bills fans, it's Matt Warren, editor and chief at buffalorumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q and A on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. The two thousand twenty one NFL Draft is in our rearview mirror. We are squarely in the off season. The schedule is going to be released later this week, and Anthony Marino will have a Breaking Buffalo Rumblings podcast out right after that information is announced. But really, we're in like the downtime of the off season. Uh, especially with voluntary workouts being a little bit um I say muted this year because of COVID 19. The you know, this is the, the the really difficult time of the offseason for a lot of Bills fans, uh, for a lot of Bills content creators, uh, because we have this chunk between now and training camp where really we don't know a whole lot about what's going on. And that was exacerbated last year when reporters weren't able to go to rookie minicamp or go to the mandatory minicamp or even report from OTAs in the limited capacity that they have been able to in the past. So uh, I thank you all for tuning in to our episode episode this week to try and find, you know, something uh, interesting to discuss during uh, this particular point in the NFL's calendar. As always, you can call in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. You can send us emails and we got a couple of those today. Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com. Uh, tweet us at rumblings Q and a with the word and spelled out in the middle. Facebook messages and instagram messages are always appreciated to the official buffalo rumblings accounts Uh, we sometimes pull questions from the comment section over at buffalo rumblings as well so lots of ways to get in touch with our show and we really encourage you to participate Uh, Before we get started, I did want to also talk quickly about our YouTube channel. We've had some great guests over there in the last week and a half, two weeks, since right before the draft. We had former Bills running back and first-round pick CJ Spiller, who is Clemson's running backs coach now. We had uh, John Feene has been on our YouTube channel, uh, the former Bills lineman from the Super Bowl-era Bills, Uh, Jeffrey Miller, the... Uh, Author, the Bills historian, was on our YouTube channel this week on the Overreaction podcast. Former Buffalo Bills player Marlon Kerner and former uh, Buffalo Bills front office man uh, Jim Manos came on as well. We also had Reed Ferguson on a couple weeks ago. So lots of, you know, just really great guests over on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel. Go check that out, uh, youtube.com slash Rumlings Get subscribed over there so you don't miss any of those really cool guests coming on and um, and talking about their experience with the Bills and beyond. Uh, for this week's episode, we've, like I said, we've got a couple of email questions, but also uh, a Twitter question, so let's get right to it. Our first question comes from Twitter, and it's about what Brandon Bean could do next. Mark Robbins says, I want to know what Brandon Bean is going shopping for one-tech defensive tackle or CB2? Um, That seems unlikely now, doesn't it? No, I don't think it seems unlikely now. I think there are some solid prospects on the free agent market right now. And, you know, especially now that the compensatory pick window has closed, now that teams can sign players and they won't count towards compensatory picks, you're seeing more and more players sign. You know, the Colts just signed Eric Fisher. Some of our cornerback targets have been coming off the board the last you know, few days as they've signed with, with teams around the NFL. So I don't think it's too late to look at cornerback or defensive tackle, um, especially cornerback, uh, where the Bills tend to grab a guy that has been looked over by other teams, a cost-efficient way to come in and compete. Um, I know they you know, spent $6 million on Josh Norman last year, But, you know, the years before that, it was guys like Kevin Johnson or E.J. Gaines, um, even uh, Vernon Davis to come in and compete at that position. So looking around at what's available right now... um, Richard Sherman is a guy that's been consistently linked to the Bills uh, since the start of it. He's a heady veteran. He's a guy in the downside of his career, but he's a guy that could come in and really serve a leadership role. But the Bills don't have a ton of like you know young cornerbacks that I think are going to be top cornerbacks for forever. They have Tre'Davious White, who's already an All Pro, who's already signed a huge massive contract extension, who's already a leader on that defense and and throwing sherman into that mix never really made sense to me other than sean mcdermott would love him like no doubt but it just never really made sense to me from a roster building perspective it's not like they have a young and -and up-and-coming cornerback that you know they're grooming to be some sort of you know legitimate starter for the long term they already have that Tradavius white and i don't think dane jackson or cam lewis or levi wallace is is going to be their you know long-term cb2 a guy that can stick around for four or five years and really be you know a next level player in the league those are all you know, fine players but I, I just don't see them as like you know perennial pro bowlers so sherman never really made sense to me um The guy that makes the most sense to me is Garyon Conley, uh, very similar to Kevin Johnson. He's a former first-round pick. Uh, He was traded to Houston essentially to replace Johnson. Um, And he spent uh, 2020 on injured reserve after an offseason ankle surgery last year did not go well. Um, He had some mobility and flexibility pain through camp, but that was over a year ago. And and hopefully um, those kind of issues have been resolved. Again, it's an ankle injury, so for a cornerback, not great. But with Levi Wallace in place, with Dane Jackson, with um, Rashad Wild Goose, with Cam Lewis and all of the you know, investments the bills have in CB, if they sign uh, Conley to a you know a one- year veteran minimum deal or slightly above veteran minimum or give him you know bonuses based on how many games he plays, all that stuff that Brandon Bean loves to do. In contracts, He's a guy that could make a lot of sense, like Kevin Johnson did. A guy that had his own injury history before the Bills added him on a cheap one-year deal. So he's a guy I'm looking at right now as a a possible signing, a guy that could come in and compete. Um, There's a couple other guys. Bashad Breland uh, is still available, even uh, Nikhil Roby Coleman, uh, the former Bills undrafted free agent uh, who went out to uh, the Rams for several years, made some nice money. He could come in and upgrade the slot over Taron Johnson, or at least give them another option at slot cornerback. But I don't see that as very likely. But there's definitely cornerbacks on the market that could come in and compete. Um, At one tech defensive tackle, as you asked, I think there's a lot of guys that could come in and be bodies, Um, but I don't know how many of them right now are an upgrade over Harrison Phillips, Um, even though Harrison Phillips is kind of just a guy at this point. um, I don't know how many of the the free agents that are out there could be a, a significant upgrade over him. The defensive tackle that I had been thinking the Bills might go after was Kawan Short, uh, the former Carolina Panthers uh, defensive lineman obviously worked with Eric Washington, the Bills' defensive line coach, obviously worked with Sean McDermott um, and Brandon Bean. So those are that was a guy that I was thinking the Bills might take a look at. He's more of a three-tech guy, uh, but he, the Bills put such a premium on defensive line play, I just thought they might you know kick the tires on him, especially since they kind of sort of have an opening at defensive tackle, maybe um, with Harrison Phillips potentially being on his way out during roster cuts but he's been um, sidelined with a shoulder injury the last two years he's in his 30s so maybe they just don't feel comfortable with him or maybe he's just kind of like you know on their radar but they haven't brought him in yet so that was what i was looking at at defensive tackle but i definitely could see them bringing in a, a cornerback at some point over the next month or two before training camp starts um, to be a guy that can compete for that number two cornerback spot thanks for your question over on Twitter. That's at and QA with the word and spelled out in the middle. We're gonna take a quick break. Then we've got two email questions, one talking about Josh Allen's contract, which is something I love discussing. And we've got another question about um Spencer Brown, the Bills' third round pick. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> All right, let's head over to the email inbox, shall we? Again, Rumblings at sbnation.com. Mark G. asks us, I believe if we are able to have Josh Allen on a team-friendly contract, the Bills have multiple Super Bowls in their future, and Josh will be a Hall of Famer. The Bills could offer a contract for 10 years at 14% of that year's NFL team cap. What do you think of that win-win scenario for the Bills and Josh? Now that does keep your quarterback on a cost-controlled deal. Um, it doesn't overinflate certain years of the contract. It, you know, keeps it very reasonable moving forward. All of that makes sense. Um, and, but here's what necessarily wouldn't make sense: the NFL would have to approve that contract, and that contract has never been done before in the NFL. Tying a player's salary directly to the salary cap has has never. Been done. Um, We're not sure if the NFL would approve that deal. Um, Andrew Brandt has talked about that on his uh, podcast several times before. Um, If you um, haven't listened to to his podcast, I really suggest it. Um, I don't listen to everything because he does talk about baseball and and basketball and and college football and and lots of other things from time to time. But I I tend to listen when he does talk about the NFL and especially inner workings of. NFL front offices and he's proposed this before specifically talking about a guy like Aaron Rodgers who he drafted when he was in the Green Bay Packers organization but also Patrick Mahomes and um, Dak Prescott and a couple other of these big name uh, quarterbacks Uh, we just haven't got there yet Um, we just recently got to the you know fully guaranteed deal for a quarterback but really it's you know only if you take a short term deal like Kirk Cousins did 3 years fully guaranteed uh, contract we have uh, even the just look at the differences between the Prescott deal and the Mahomes deal and you know they're just astronomical so so quarterback contracts are kind of all over the place and i get it that having that fixed amount of your salary cap attached to the quarterback you know would be beneficial to a team and of course for Allen you know as the league continues to grow so would his salary but um, you know it's whether or not the NFL would approve it is you know the really the biggest question right now. Your number might also be a little bit low 14%. Um, if the salary cap had gone up to about 200 million uh, last year as expected, that would have only been about 28 million dollars. And uh, Dak Prescott just signed a deal worth forty million dollars a year, so uh, you know figuring out what the percentage would be would of course be you know, super important. But um, I think that number, that fourteen percent number, might also be a little bit low. So maybe you're talking more about nineteen or twenty percent of your salary cap being used on a quarterback. So uh, again, that's a really interesting uh, discussion point, and I'm sure that at, when I release Josh Allen's contract projection. Uh, maybe later this month or early in June that that number is going to m- cause some eyes to bulge out of their heads, uh, but it's going to be more than forty million a year because that's what Dak Prescott just signed for. So it shouldn't surprise anybody that um, and that that contract is coming. And again, when if you do take a look at Patrick Mahomes' deal, I think it was a terrible deal for Patrick Mahomes to take. Um, you know, he's not making very much money in the first two, three, four years of that contract. He's one of the, I mean, among the top quarterbacks in the league, he's among the lowest paid over the first several years of that deal. And then, of course, as salaries go up, when this 2018 draft class hits free agency like Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and, of course, the guys that came after them, it's just going to get higher and higher. And Mahomes is never going to be among the, the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, in any given season of that ten-year deal, so um, I mean, I'll let Andrew Brandt talk more about that. If you want to go back and search his podcast history uh, for when Mahomes signed the deal, he goes through why it was just a terrible deal uh, for Patrick Mahomes to sign. So you can go uh, check that out on your own. Um, thanks for that question, Buffalo Rumblings at sbnation.com is the email address for us. Another email came in this week as well and I really liked the question Uh, Mike asked us I have what probably is a stupid question for you it's not lots of people have asked me it is my understanding that Spencer Brown is a good athlete with a basketball background and has previously played some tight end in school in reading the scouting reports he has good movement for someone his size would it be possible to use his six foot eight and a half inch size in tackle eligible plays near the goal line too bad we could not use him as a blocking tight end anyway just some thoughts on how to fully utilize his size and athletic basketball background thanks mike well mike it's not a stupid question i i I do get this question several times um since the the bills selected brown in the third round of the 2021 nfl draft last saturday and I think Dan Lavoy put it best in the Buffalo Rumblings Slack channel. He's like, uh, Spencer Brown is a tight end, like Jason Peters is a tight end. Like, if you want to send him out for a route every once in a while, like Deion Dawkins has gone out and run, you know, some of the goal line plays and things like that, like that's fine. But that isn't going to be his primary goal, his primary responsibility. He's not going to be the replacement for Lee Smith. Lee Smith, you know, worked on moving in space, being able to block in space. It's kind of like when I talked about having a tight end fill in at fullback. It's just a different look. It's different agility. It's different ability. And so I don't anticipate Spencer Brown playing a ton of tight end packages where you see him moving as the sixth you know, offensive lineman and then maybe going out in pass routes at the rate that Lee Smith was going out. But the Bills have used six offensive linemen on the goal line frequently and in short-yarded situations. I could definitely see them using him as the sixth offensive lineman, you know, putting him off tackle so that they could get another guy pulling or they could get another guy just blocking. I don't think that means he's going to be like, you know, your your extra tight end or or something like that, but using him as tackle eligible or your sixth offensive lineman, makes a lot of sense, especially because he's, you know he's going to be active on game day. He's going to be your swing tackle anyway, so he's going to have to work on both sides of the line anyway. Um, he does have really good feet and you know, lateral agility. It makes a lot of sense to use him as that extra offensive lineman. Thanks for the question. Again, rumlings at sbnation.com is our email address. You can send us questions whenever you'd like before we get going i wanted to make sure you knew about some of the fun stuff that was happening over at buffalorumblings.com starting next week um we've got the 91 for 91 series kicking off next week that's 91 players and scouting reports for each of the 91 buffalo bills over the course of the next 91 days now the bills roster isn't at 91 yet they haven't announced the undrafted rookie free agents but that will happen in the next few days so keep an eye out for that series running every single day uh, starting next week running through the end of May June July and into August we've also got the plays that defined 2020 so you'll get to vote on plays from each individual game and then we'll whittle it down to a big play that defined the 2020 season I think I know what one that's going to end up being And then we've got the uh, best salary cap values and the worst salary cap values for the Buffalo Bills in 2020 um, coming up as well. Of course, all of your news, opinion, reaction, everything like that over the course of the offseason. So make sure you keep it locked onto Buffalo Rumblings, however you get your news, whether it's on the podcast network, it's at buffalorumblings.com, it's on social media, wherever you get your Buffalo Bills content, make sure you follow buffalorumblings.com thanks for all the questions from this week's episode as always you can leave your questions for next week at 716-508-0405 our voicemail lines open 24 hours a day seven days a week at 716 you can tweet us at rumblings Q and A—that's with the word "and" spelled out in the middle. Email us buffalo Rumlings at sbnation.com Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account will get to me as well. Tell a friend about our podcast if you like it. Share it. Um, it really helps us gain a bigger audience and go Bills. <laughs>